Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it is a, well, it's going to be a hot one for some folks. Anyway, for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking about gardening. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, my awesome producer, Java Chapman, and all the other folks are going to be bringing this garden party to anybody who wants to join in. All you got to do is give us a call. It's a live, toll-free program, and I will give the numbers over and over again, but meanwhile, it's going to be a good day to just talk about getting dirty in the deep in the Gulf South. Again, horticulture is fell rushing. We're going to take a real quick break for some news and come back and start getting dirty. Won't you join us? This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening. I hope you'll join us. If you've got some things on your mind, some things you'd like to share, maybe you got an argument going or Maybe want me to clarify something. I tend to take uh, not neutral stands, but I try to take an intellectual stand on some things. There's a lot of rules about horticulture that gardeners simply don't need to follow. And there's a lot of concerns about certain things that we do that are really not that big a concern if you look at all the angles. So uh, I'm not going to try to have an agenda. I'm going to try to be as honest as I can. What would I do? What would I ask my mother to do? What do I think is right and best? And sometimes that means just taking your glasses off and just ignoring the problem. But if you've got some questions, some concerns, some things you want to share, give us a shout. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's what we're going to be doing for the next hour or so, is just talking about gardening. So, uh, Java Chapman, hey, Java, who's 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 uh, the, the call screener today? Uh, this morning we have... Uh... This morning we have uh, Kevin, Kevin Farrell, like always, man. <laughs> all righty, all righty. I guess Kevin's excited about the, the the latest spelling bee. He's one of them wordsmith type of folks. We were just, so we anyway. just talking about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got some, there's, there's some weird gardening words that I don't think I know how to spell. Even if I knew how to spell them, I wouldn't want to because they're – and uh, anyway, if you've got something you want to chat about, just give us a call. Uh, Kevin Farrell, who's uh, another producer at MPB, who's going to be uh, screening calls, to, greeting you. I should say screening calls because we'll take all of them as long as they're garden-related and, and not going to offend Mama too much. So give us a call, calls, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Hey, there's a few things going on right now you might be interested in. I'd like to, to share. If you have some garden events that uh, that people would be interested in, uh, give us a call or else uh, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I'll give you one that's going coming on today, Friday and Saturday. No, excuse me. It's, yeah, Friday and Saturday. Um, from 10 until 9, we're going to have a uh, an orchid show. It's going to be or- the New Orleans Orchid Society show and plant sale this weekend, 10 o'clock to 9 uh, o'clock p.m. Friday and Saturday, and until from noon till 4 p.m. Sunday. It's going to be in New Orleans at the Lakeside Shopping Center. It's in a suburb of Metairie. Uh, they get have vendors from Texas to Florida. So uh, anyway, it's all day Friday, Saturday, and 
then Sunday afternoon, Lakeside Shopping Center, New Orleans, in a suburb of Metairie. Um, by the way, um, a lot of people are kind of daunted by orchids. I don't grow orchids myself for the same reason I don't grow African violets, because I'm gone a lot. Those plants like to think that they're in a pretty steady uh, environment, which I can't provide. I, I grow cactus and succulents. Um, but a lot of houseplant orchids, they typically grow up in trees in hot jungles, and to get them to bloom, believe it or not, they need to be cooled down a bit. It's a process called vernalization. It's just a little cool spell. And th there's a lot of plants that do that. A night blooming cereus is one. When it starts getting cooler in the fall and a little on the dry side, they'll start kicking out flower buds. Uh, but some of the orchids, like dendrobiums or the cane orchids, they need more of this cooling period than other kinds, which is why we have a hard time growing them in houses where we keep them at the same temperature all the time. Uh, some of them it actually like chilling tempers in the upper 40s and lower 50s to kick off their flowering cycle. Uh, but, uh, but the moth orchids, what they call Thalianopsis, uh, this is the kind you see in grocery stores or hardware stores. They flower pretty easy in normal household temperatures in the 70s. So uh, even though outside temperatures are going to be in the 90s this weekend, Lakeside Shopping Center New Orleans is going to be keeping orchids and their human visitors indoors in the 70s. Again, there's some, uh, oh, let me let me throw out another one. Uh, this weekend, the uh, Memphis area master gardeners are having their 10th annual garden tour. It's a free tour. Uh, they can, they've, they've, they've chosen seven homes and gardens for really diverse styles. Uh, they have an urban farm and a zero lot line patio garden, a secret garden, uh, all sorts of different types of gardens that are Good for the Mid-South. So if you're anywhere near Memphis, is, uh, uh, the tour features label plants, takeaway plant lists, all sorts of stuff. It's going to be uh, rain or shine, 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And that's going to be, huh, I can't see if it's today. I think it's this, well, I don't even see what day it is. I've got all the information I need except what day it is. Anyway, 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock, whatever day it is. And I'm going to find out the, the day, whether it's today or this weekend, pretty much uh, soon as I can. If you want some information, go to memphisareamastergardeners.org. That's what I'm going to do. memphisareamastergardeners.org uh, for the directions uh, to these wonderful gardens. It's free. I think you'll enjoy it a whole bunch. Anything else I can help promote, give us a call. Toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, so, Java, how, 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 how do y'all survive with all the hot weather? You know, I'm, I'm still over in England. I've been doing flower shows and visiting gardens over in Wales and, and uh, all over the northern part, central part of England, and it's going to be up to almost 65 degrees here today. Well, I think we got you beat on the temperature because we have about a high <laughs> of, a, I think, about 91 today. And um, so, you know, just keeping the AC going is, is basically a normal operating procedure around here. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I think it's actually going to cool down tonight in Mississippi hotter than it's going to get up to in England right now. But, uh, you know, that's just part of it. You know, I, I love the hot weather. I'm born and raised in the South. My my grandparents, you know, we've been in the South for 10 or 11 generations. And you don't really get, you don't really like the heat and the humidity, but you sort of get used to it. You know how to walk with the elbows out a little to catch a breeze up your short sleeves and how to stay in the shade and stay hydrated and all. They wear a hat if you can. 
Uh, I, for my little garden uh, in Jackson, I've chosen plants that'll, that like the heat, they like the humidity, they like heavy rains, but they'll tolerate weeks without rain. I've chosen plants that like it in the south. I've got a, some shade plants in the back garden, front garden, along the street. I've got uh, perennials, wildflowers, mostly native, but some non-natives, but plants that will bloom literally from spring to through the summer, into the fall, and even some of the wintertime with little or no care. All I do is I pull a few weeds in the spring, lay down a thick layer of mulch to keep the ground cool and moist, and then the fall I pull up a few more weeds that come up over the summer, put down some more mulch, and I'm pretty well done. So other than doing a little weeding, a lot of mulch, which helps on the weeding, it also feeds the soil, um, there's an astounding number of plants that will grow perfectly well in the deep south without any care. I, I got an email from a woman uh, last week, said that she was moving from Mobile up to Oxford and heard that gardening is not that good in Oxford. And I had to, I had to say, nay, nay, there's some great plants, some great gardens in North Mississippi. It's different than on the coast. You know, you can't grow certain things in North Mississippi or Tennessee or, or Arkansas like you can along the Gulf Coast. But then again, there's some plants that, that they can grow up north that you can't grow on the Gulf Coast. So it's just a matter of choosing hostas for the north or uh, some of the, the, the ground cover or, uh, uh, orchids in the, along the Gulf Coast. Just a matter of choosing your plants, but there's plenty of things we can grow pretty much anywhere. If you'd like to talk about it, give us a call, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, the numbers are 877-672-7464, but I have a hard time with that. I can remember MPB because that's Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and RING is what happens when you get Kevin to pick up the phone and see who's there and what you got going on. I got some interesting emails uh, this past week. I, I caught up on a whole, I missed a whole week of emails, a whole week. I must have been traveling and I saw some and I said, well, I'll get to those when I get home and I got diverted, but I just caught up on a whole week's worth of missed emails from a couple, three weeks ago. And um, a lot of the folks that I wrote said, no, no problem, no big deal. Uh, but here's some, some really good ones. One is from um, Samantha Wood. She wanted to know where she could find spring giant tomatoes like her dad used to grow, an old variety called spring giant. And um, I can share why you can't get them right now, but I tell you what, let's take a real quick break first. Uh, you know, that's what we do here at MPB. We do mostly talking, a lot of yakking, some sharing stuff. If you've got some things you'd like to talk about, give us a call. It's toll-free. The lines are open. One eight seven seven MPB ring. We're gonna take a real quick, just a very short break, just a few seconds, and come back, and I'm explain why you can't get spring giant tomatoes like Dad used to grow. I'm horticulturist fellow rushing, and me and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell and all the folks at MPB. We're gonna take a real quick break and come back and chat with you about gardening. That's what we do live here at MPB. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening. I hope you got some gardening stuff on your mind and give us a call. Uh, Samantha Wood wanted to know where she could find spring giant tomatoes. Well, I haven't seen those in a long time. Maybe possible if you find some, but it's a hybrid. It was a hybrid that was uh, uh, produced 
really released in the 1960s, and it was a great tomato, uh, but it got gradually replaced by newer, similar, but more disease-resistant strains. And uh, being a hybrid, it seized didn't come exactly true like old heirloom varieties, so it, it eventually petered out. So uh, the only way to get it is from a tomato breeder, and unfortunately, they moved on to more modern hybrids. So that's just the way it goes. Uh, one of the reasons why I enjoy growing heirloom uh, plants, whether the flowers or vegetables or herbs or whatever, because they come true to seed and you can save them and even share them from time to time. Hey, let's go down to the Gulf Coast to Spanish Fort and see what's up with Tom. Hey, Tom, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Um, huh. uh, can, you hear, can you hear me Okay. Oh yeah, just fine. Okay, good. I'm uh, I'm I'm on a brand new truck with a, a hands-free thing, and I was uh, hoping that didn't mess up. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm an analog man caught in a digital world. I got anyway, you. I got you. Okay, my um my wife grows a lot of orchids. She's got a uh, pretty successful, and we have a nice room with this a uh, lot of exposure that we grow them inside that she has them inside. But we were right. considering, uh, since they're tropical plants, they might enjoy some of this humidity that is oppressing us so much outside in the, in the, warmth, the heat. So we were thinking about transitioning them outside. But I heard your discussion about that a cool snap stimulates uh, the, or a cooling trend uh, stimulates the bloom. So my question, I think, yeah. is after a period outside like that, if we move them back inside, would that make, uh, I don't know, I don't want to use the word force, but it would uh, stimulate a bloom? Well, that, that's actually what, what horticulture is called when they, when they manipulate the environment to make plants bloom. It's called forcing, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, so yeah. far still a PC word uh, when it comes yeah. to plants. But, and it, it depends on the type of orchids. You know, there, there's, there's whole different groups of them, and some need down into the 40s and 50s to stimulate that. Uh, some will do it in the 60s and 70s. So it really depends, and, and, and some 70s are perfectly fine, even into the upper 70s. So it really depends on the kind you've got. Uh, you can also uh, get, get them to vernalize sometimes, not just a cool temperature, but by withholding water, a little bit of stress. A lot of times will kick them into blooming. Uh, so uh, again, I don't know all the details. It depends on what kinds. But if you, she's going to put them outside, keep in mind they need to be in the shade because it's you know a whole different ball game out out there in the full sun. Um, and then if she wants to bring them in, keep in mind that if they've gotten used to uh, a certain light level outside, you want to you want to sort of match the same kind of light level outside as our inside. So that's not a problem. You move them back and forth. Otherwise, they tend to drop the leaf. And also, watch out for grasshoppers. Oh, grasshoppers! I didn't. I would never thought of <laughs> crickets and roaches and grasshoppers. They're they're all in the same family. They like to chew on plants, and orchids are tasty. Mm, okay. All right. Hey, if y'all get us, if if you, if you. Listen, you got you got a brand new truck. You know, take her for a drive over to New Orleans and go visit the orchid people there. She'll you like it, and you got to. It it's an excuse to drive your new truck someplace. Ain't that the truth? Uh, <laughs> just before I go, uh, 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 I'll get you to take a look. Uh, I sent you an email a month ago uh, about a stump garden. I had a uh, an ugly. Yeah, stump. yeah. Uh, it's yeah, a great stump. Was, uh, it, uh, it went. Uh, that garden's going real well, and I've replaced what was uh, my winter crop. Uh, with a uh, with an alamander and a mandevilla and a uh, a yellow um, trumpet vine and a bunch of 
I got zinnias going to come up, but spiked in there a bunch of gladiolus. That ought to give me a little bit of a. It, it, it looked better than that ugly stump. <laughs> well, the, I thought the stump was beautiful. If you go to my, my blog site, which is Felder Rushing Blog, I have an old article on stumpers, and you'll be surprised what you can do with that. By the way, you got your new truck. Uh, you know, I grow flowers in a bag of potting soil in the back of my truck. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, uh, that that might push the limits of my uh, – I've been married to the woman 47 years. She might not appreciate that. Well, take put, take your sweetheart in your truck. Take your sweetheart and, a, and, and your new truck over to New Orleans and, and treat her to some orchid folks. All right. Thank you, Felder. I okay. The you bet, Tom. Pre- appreciate it. All righty, folks. Toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to be talking about nothing but gardening over the next little while. And uh, I still haven't had a chance to find out when the uh, the Memphis area master gardeners are having their – I, I co- copied everything except what <laughs> except what what day – that their that their uh, garden tour is, and I'm looking that up right now. I would like to th- also throw out that there's a uh, uh, hang on, it's coming up. Memphis area master gardeners, there's got everything except where it's going to be. Uh, anyway, I'll find that out and I'll, I'll chat with you. Give me a call though, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, you know, because I'm I, I go overseas a lot. I do a lot of the flower shows and. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to the Chelsea Flower Show and the Hampton Court Flower Show and the Chatsworth Show, which is coming up next week, and, and so many of these flower shows and, and gardens around England. Always getting ideas. One of the things that I picked up on a couple of years ago that I thought was really cool, it's such a simple, it was a head-smacking idea. Um, you know, every one of us have got trash cans, and they're just sitting out on the driveway or up against the house or near the carpet or whatever. you got trash cans out there. Well... I saw it, and I've done this in my own garden. I got four posts, four by four posts, and I made me a bench that was just taller than my trash cans, and I set some of these big plastic bins on it, the kind that you get for like three or four or five dollars at the at the big box stores for mixing concrete. They're about oh two feet wide and three feet long and about eight inches deep. Anyway, they're big plastic uh, things for mixing concrete. They're real cheap. Punch some holes in it, fill in the pot and soil, set them on top. And I've got herbs and succulents and monkey grass and vines growing in these these pots sitting on top of a bench. And I put some some tin, some corrugated tin on the front. So when you look at my driveway, it looks like a planter full of all of these cascading plants with tin on the front and a couple of pots in front of it. When you go around back, that's where I hide my trash cans. So where you've got just trash cans out in the open for everybody to see, I've got what looks like a nice little planter with some drought-tolerant herbs and cascading vines and I go around back. And Anyway, I just thought it was a real cool little idea, extra place to grow succulents, herbs, things that are growing six or seven or eight inches of, of potting soil. Uh, anyway, let's go up to Oxford. Hey, Eric, good morning. Thanks for calling. Hey, hey, Felder. I'm going to let you know yeah. the result of uh, one of your suggestions. Uh, we were listening, and uh, you talked about staining some concrete with latex paint and water. Yeah. So I went, went home that day and told my wife, I've got a uh, uh, a way we can fix our uh, red patio favors that have turned pink over the years. And <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I went and got the uh, brown latex, mixed it with water, and we sprayed the whole patio, walkways and everything, and it turned out beautiful. 
Wow. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, I see so many people have brand new concrete and it's just glaring white. All you got to do is mix a little paint with a good bit of water and just, you could spray it or brush it or whatever, and you can make it dirt colored or whatever color you want. We just did, uh, used a pump sprayer and did three parts water to one part paint. Works beautifully. Yeah, and it'll last a long time. It'll slowly fade over a period of time, but uh, immediately. Uh, so, so this was, she didn't question it. She thought it was a good idea. She questioned it, and I said, "But tell her." Oh no! Oh no! And it instantly became a good idea then. Well, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people who listen who, who heard that, but Felder said, and they rolled their eyes because they pulled that trick and it didn't work. So you lucked yeah. up, my friend. <laughs> you don't put any kind of sealer on it, do you? No, you, I mean, you, you can, but it's not that big a deal. Uh, when I first poured the driveway uh, going up to my house, I live in a little cabin back behind my, my main house because I'm gone a lot, and I rent the house out. But anyway, we poured a freeform driveway that included some areas in the middle to plant stuff, sedums and things. So it looks like, you know, a little two-lane dirt road because I spray painted it brown. It just looks like a, a, a two-lane dirt road with flowers yeah. growing up the middle. Well, I figured all I had to do, I kept the paint coat, and just every so many years, I'd just get another gallon of paint and go back over it. Yep. No problem, man. I pr- I'm glad it worked out for, for, for your and my sake. <laughs> Thanks. Bye, Appreciate Bye. it, Eric. All righty, folks. I did find out. I went to Memphis area mastergardeners.org and boy they have a lot of cool stuff on their site about growing stuff in in paint buckets and all sorts of cool stuff uh but their garden tour is saturday june the first tomorrow to saturday june nine o'clock to four o'clock and they've got uh seven different gardens completely different cotton gardens it's free uh and you know you just go from one place to the other and they've got all sorts of uh things for you to see and plants and and takeaways and all that kind of thing if you want information on the directions because i've got it on there uh saturday june the 19th if you go to memphis area mastergardeners.org then you can find that now let's slide over to ashland hey jerry thank you for calling man what's up well uh not much i just come in from garden the other day and had a package in my front porch opened up and all the peanuts were sticking to my skin because i was sweaty (laughs) <laughs> and well, I called. They don't normally do this. I called. I called a company who sent it to me and said, "What's up with this?" And they have biodegradable peanuts. They're made out of cornstarch. So if you put a peanut from packing in water and it dissolves, it can go in your garden. Wow! It, it sticks nice to stuff. your arms. Meanwhile, yeah. Well, I mean, I was all sweaty. I was outside working. I had some package, uh, some part from an automotive place come to me, and they were packed in peanuts. That, that's a that's a cool idea. I guess you could work it into your dirt, or well, I wouldn't use it emulsion because it's probably if you're gonna use it emulsion, you probably want to wet it down to make it sticky, or else it's all gonna blow away. I put but, it out and there. And, I put it out there here with a hose, and it, it stuck real well. I was thinking to say, with all this humidity, it's a wonder you could get it to 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 not stick to anything. <laughs> what you got going on, man? Other than that, well, I'm I'm just collected some uh, straw to mulch my garden. I want to ask you opinion on. City water versus uh, well water for gardening. I, I'm stuck in a city, and that's what I have to use. And this first year, I've yeah. had a garden here. But all my life, I've had well water. And I have people who still have well water in this, and they, they say it's better for the garden because it doesn't have the chemicals in it. What do you think? 
Well, the, the, they, they sort of have a, this is one of those things where, you know, it's real easy to, to, to gin it up into something that's bigger than it is. The chlorine and the fluoride and stuff like that, it's not enough to cause it. It's sort of like the mosquito truck that they send around a lot of these towns. Do not use enough stuff to kill mosquitoes, much less kill butterflies. It's not enough stuff in there to really worry about unless you've got maybe like a, a fish pond and you want to let the city water s- sit overnight in a, a, a trash can or something, let the chlorine evaporate. But it's not that big a deal. There's something really interesting, though. Anybody, including me, can tell just from looking that rainwater is better than hose water. I don't know why. But uh, I, I don't know whether it's the chemicals or whether there's, there's more stuff in it or what. But the biggest concern I'd have, Jerry, is a lot of cities uh, have got water that's really alkaline. In Jackson, it's something like 8.5, 8.6. And um, if you use that on potted plants, you know, over and over and over, some of the acid-loving plants might have some trouble. But if you mix insecticides with it, insecticides degrade quickly in alkaline water. So if you're mixing up something to spray in your garden, it may not work two hours after you spray it because it's mixed with an alkaline water. But other than that, it's not that big a deal. Well, thank you. It's all good information. Thank you very much. You have a good day over in Britain. Appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you so much for your call. All righty, folks. I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing. I'll tell you what. We ought to play this cheesy music. This is a special tune by a special guy. He died yesterday. You know, this is the fellow who sort of made the 70s and 80s for me. It's just so corny. He, he sang like he had gravel in his mouth. He used a lot of old Tin Pan Alley uh, vaudeville-type songs, and he had that kind of, uh, of old delivery type thing but anyway because this fellow passed away yesterday i thought we would honor him by playing something that he sang about the mississippi delta this is leon the late great leon redbone we're going to take a quick break and come back with your phone calls we've got the lines wide open right now right after this i think Mississippi Delta Blues. He showed it up. He showed it up. 
Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. Hope you enjoy that little nod to Leon Redbone. He was such a such a, a, a cool guy, such a cool guy. Uh, I would like to remind you that uh, I was talking to a fellow down in Spanish Florida, got him a brand new truck and a wife who loves orcas. And I said, why don't you drive her on over to New Orleans? Actually, it's just on the other side of New Orleans. It's in a place called Metairie, which is, uh, I think it would be like the third largest uh, city in Louisiana, if it wasn't so close to, to New Orleans. Anyway, the New Orleans Orchid Society has a show and sale uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all day, so, Sunday afternoon, but from 10 till 9, Friday and Saturday. And it's going to be at the Lakeside Shopping Center. Hard to forget that because Lake Pontchartrain is pretty big, but Lakeside Shopping Center in uh, Metairie. And they have all sorts of stuff. People from Texas to Florida with not only interesting orchids, but Orchids that you can buy, but and how to grow them. It's an it's an unusual little plant. Uh, I wish I was a little bit more of a dedicated gardener, but instead I have to grow sedums and hens and chicks and cacti and uh, you know all those kind of plants that don't need a bunch of care. Anyway, if you want give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's let it because this go and talk with Ann. Hey Ann, thank you for holding. Uh, thank you, uh, Felder, for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, I have, uh, and I always listen to you Fridays and Saturdays, so I, I always tell my husband, Felder <laughs> says so-and-so. Oh, boy. I know he's tired um, of that. <laughs> no. But uh, the question I have today is I have some fairly new squash plants, and they're uh, uh-huh. blooming, and they're making, uh, there's baby squash on the plants. and Did I'm they shrivel up? No, I'm I'm tending to them and watering them, and they're doing good. But I've seen stink bugs already. Oh boy! What oh, I call boy. stink bugs. What do I do? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, make sure there there are some bugs out there that look like stink bugs that actually eat other bugs. But if if you're pretty sure stink bugs, they're pretty hard to kill. You know, once they get some size on them, uh, you know, it almost takes a brick to kill these things. Uh, there are some sprays that'll work. Um, but here, any, I don't know any brands off the top of my head, but anything that has pyrethrin in it, pyrethrin is, is as powerful as any chemical, but it's made from chrysanthemums. And most garden centers carry pyrethrin, pyrethrin or something similar. <laughs> uh, but, but now here's the deal. You, use them late in the afternoon because, first of all, the stink bugs, it, it, it'll work overnight. But uh, you don't want to spray in the morning or early afternoon because it might affect the bees that are out there. But if you spray late in the day, all up under the plants, you know, down around the, the stems and stuff, that'll okay. get into the overwintering critters. And by morning, it'll be gone to be safe for the bees. Okay. And that won't but, uh, hurt the vegetable. I mean, it won't make it. No, 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 no. This, this, okay. uh, this is a natural product. It's, it's perfectly safe. It doesn't last long anyway. But, again, it's going to work better if you catch when the insects are, are, are kind of slow and, you know, not do it. To, anyway, it won't hurt the vegetables. It won't hurt the, the bees at all if you spray late in the day. Okay. All right. But, well, I guess would it hurt to, pl- to plant the flower chrysanthemum amongst um, no, no, this no, this is it's not made from the regular. It's made from a type of chrysanthemum, and okay. uh, and it's uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. But in and it's it's distilled from the flowers. It's not something that 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 the plants themselves will repel. Matter of fact, there's okay. a, a lot of myths about that. You know, you've always heard marigolds will repel insects, and it's uh-huh. simply not true. It has never worked. It never will. Uh, it, it, matter of fact, they attract spider mites. 
but what happened is they found out that marigolds, when you plant them and you till them into the dirt, you don't have as much problem with nematodes the next year. And then that got extrapolated to where oh, they'll do all sorts of stuff that they just don't do. Okay. So anyway, good, good luck with the steam. It takes a pretty stout insecticide and the strongest natural one uh, that I think will do the job is anything with pyrethrin or synthetic pyrethrin. And the garden center people know what you're talking about. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, let me ask you something. You, you're from Kosciuszko. You live in Kosciuszko or near Kosciuszko? Uh, well, I'm, I'm near, but I've always okay. lived here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you remember the lady who had all the shoes in her yard named L.V. Hull? I do. Did you ever go by her? Yeah, she passed away. I drove by the other day, and all of her stuff is completely gone. You know, folk right. art is so ephemeral, but it's like it was never there. And She had such a, a cool folk art thing. Right. Uh, in, uh, if you go around town in different locations, you find some of her artwork in different businesses oh, I, and all. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I've got some in my house and in my garden. Anyway, wow. it's just one of those kind of things. So, anyway, appreciate your call. If I can help you with anything, give me a holler. Okay, thank you so much. Okie doke. Bye now. Now, let's go on to uh, just slide up the road a little bit to, to Louisville. Louisville, excuse me, Thomas. I know they're between Louisville and Louisville. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, quick question. Um, I have uh, got a raised bed garden, three cross ties uh-huh. long, one cross tie wide. You know, not a not a big garden at all. And that sounds uh, big to me. <laughs> it produces produces well. We have squat. I mean, you know. Bell pepper, sweet pepper, uh, um, the just a gambit, tomatoes and, and right. cucumbers and that kind of stuff. Anyway, right. my bell pepper last year, there wasn't in the exact same space, although when the dirt was put in that garden, it was topsoil and a mixture of sand. And, of course, every year I till it and fertilize it and lime it. Um, right. Uh, and, and But... Last year, I had an abundance of of bell pepper and 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 sweet pepper, you name it. I mean, it was just more than we could eat. This year, I can't hardly get the plants. I mean, they've been in the ground now for a month, uh, yeah. or maybe a older and or longer, and they still look like they were just planted. I mean, it's just like they're yeah. they're they're barely alive, but that's it. Yeah. What's going well, on? Well, let, uh, let, me, let me make a couple of overeducated guesses. Uh, f- first of all, you only need to add lime every three or four years. Lime yeah, builds well. up. It causes problems. So I, I would not put lime out more than every three or four years. Okay. And also, what what kind of fertilizer are you using? Uh, I either use 688 or 888, and this year I used 888. Okay, let's let's skip that next year because what okay. happens? The first number, nitrogen, that doesn't last any time at all. But the second, third number, phosphorus and potash, they last at least two years, and okay. they tend to build up and interferes with plants' ability to use the other stuff. So I bet you've got way way too much phosphorus and potash and lime out there, and your plants kind of you you need to let kind of back off on that next okay. year use just just nitrogen something you know just that first number with a really low or even a zero second third number 
I would mm-hmm. use cottonseed meal. You know, that's a natural product. You'll have more earthworms out there. But main thing is is uh, only use a triple eight, triple thirteen, triple those things every couple of years or so with just nitrogen the rest of the time. That okay. alone can cause problems. But now the most important thing is we had an unusually long, wet, cold spring, and that no doubt has stunted some roots. And it could just be because, you know, Good Friday was a month later it normally is. Well, it was cold a month later it normally was. And these kind of plants can get stunted from just cold, wet weather for a long right. time. Mm-hmm. And so that, well, that, that may have set them off a month or so. Is there anything that I can do to, uh, you know, counter any of that with the, the buildup in the soil? Or, uh, no, no, or, no, no, just, no, just, no, just. Just, just, get, just give it time. And uh, next year, when you when you till up, do you have anything up under your raised bed, or is it just dirt up under there? It's just dirt. I would, I would. I, next time you dig it, at least one one bed at a time as you get around to it. Go down and bring some of that dirt up and mix it with the other stuff. You know, make it where it's partly sunk and partly raised. Use some of that good dirt underneath to kind of dilute all the stuff you've got, and that'll help a lot. Uh, okay. The other thing is, other thing is, if you want to give your plants a little shot in the arm. Go with the liquid fertilizer. You know, I'm not really into brands, but, you know, miracle Grow or something like that. I, if I, I use that. I have okay. it this well, year, but I do use that. Well, it's real temporary. It's like a shot in the arm, and it'll perk up plants by going right through their leaves in a bypass root system. But here's the, the catch. Whatever the directions call for, teaspoon of the gallon table, whatever it is, use half that much. These fertilizer okay. uh, companies, they sell stuff at the maximum they can legally get away with, which is sure. often twice more than what plants need. So give them a hot uh, half-strength shot of something like miracle Grow. see if that doesn't perk them up without pushing them too much. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, All righty, man. You. Just... Thank you, and y'all have All a right. uh, good day. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, that was Thomas in Louisville. You know, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'd like to remind folks that uh, there's all sorts of things going on. It kind of slacks off garden events in the summertime. But if you've got something I can help you promote, give me a call. Shoot me an email. Email is easy. Garden at mpbonline.org. I've got four or five emails. I came across a whole bunch and I just overlooked while I was traveling a lot. And I've come within three or four catching up on that. But if you want to shoot me an email about your garden, garden at mpbonline.org, I'll get right on it. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushy. This is the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to take just a few second break and come back with more of your phone calls right after this. All righty, folks, all you diggers out there, I say diggers, D-I-G, little r, diggers, determined, independent gardeners. That's what a lot of us are. Even those who belong to plant societies, garden clubs, and master gardeners, a lot of us, we tend to garden on our own. As a matter of fact, I got an email from somebody the other day and wanted to know if I got the name of my program, the Gestalt Gardener, after the Gestalt Prayer. And I've never heard of the Gestalt Prayer. Uh, Gestalt is a uh, German word. It's a psychological term, uh, meaning 
a lot of things, but basically it's about the, taking uh, responsibility and being an individual, doing your thing, not letting the rules get you down, and just being yourself. Anyway, I looked up the Gestalt Prayer, and it was actually put out by the guy who is one of the founders of the Gestalt therapy thing, and it's a real simple one. It's real easy. He said, I do my thing, and you do your thing. I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. You are you, and I am I. And if by chance we find each other, it's beautiful. I like that. But it applies to gardening. You know, you don't have to do what your neighbors do. You don't have to have that wall-to-wall grass unless you like a lot of grass and you mow it. It makes you feel good. If you don't like to grow vegetables, don't grow vegetables. Don't make people feel guilty about it. But it's fun to grow a few little things here and there that are easy and dependable. If you're not sure how to do it, don't be put off by people who say you've got to do it this way or that way because you simply don't. But if you have some questions about it, want to keep it simple, break it down. Uh, what I call just you know, just getting right down to the to the nuts and bolts of it, give me a call or shoot me an email. Garnet at mpbonline.org or give us a call toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, some of the, I got some interesting um, uh, emails the other day. Uh, one is from Jimmy Staring. He said, I've heard that rosemary and peppermint repel mosquitoes. It's, it's true. Can you put peppermint and rosemary and hang in baskets on the front porch? Nope. Those things don't work unless you rub the oil on your body. Now, all of these mosquito repellents are oils, and the mosquitoes don't like that. So just having the amazing mosquito repellent plant and all those out there is not going to help at all unless you have to brush through it to get to it. Uh, here's another one. Uh, this is from uh, Gail Jackson. Gail in Jackson, she said, I read where it's better to mulch vegetables with straw instead of pine bark uh, or, or hay so as not to add acid to the soil. But we have a lot of grass growing around the tomatoes and peppers. What should I do? I prefer bark. I prefer chipped or shredded bark because it works well. doesn't take a lot to do the job. It locks down. You, know, you only have to have a couple, three inches of it. And next time you get ready to plant, you just dig it into your dirt and you've Improve your soil. So what I do is I plant, st- dig stuff up, I plant, I mulch, usually with bark. Uh, and next time I have to plant, I just simply pull the old plants up, dig the, the bark into the dirt, plant, add more mulch. And that way it makes it really, really easy. Anyway, I prefer pine bark. The acidity in pine straw and pine bark and stuff like that is not a real issue. It's barely measurable. So people take, tend to take things all out of context and blow things uh, into uh, out of proportion. Don't worry about the acidity of all that stuff. Just use some mulch. Let's go up to South Haven. We've gone from the Gulf Coast all the way up to the Tennessee state line. Hey, William, good morning. Good morning. I appreciate you taking the call. Um, sure. What's calling up? About, calling about my lawn. Um, uh-huh. I have a, a Bermuda lawn. Uh, it's been established for years, probably 10, 15 years. But yeah. it, it's beginning to thin an awful lot, particularly in the front. And I, it, it's got um, in an area where when it rains, I get drainage coming across it, et cetera. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's thinning to the point now that um, I, I, don't, I can't do I don't know what else to do with it. I've tried fertilizing yeah. it. I've tried watering it, et cetera. Is it, lime? Yeah. Do I need Lime it real good, or what, what's your thought? 
You know, if if you call the if you call the DeSoto County uh, Extension Office, there's a gal there named Joy Anderson. Joy really knows your stuff. I don't, you know, without having your soil tested, I can't tell. But the county people, they'll know whether your soil in your area tends to be acidic or alkaline on average. You don't have to have your soil tested. Just find out on average the people need to add lime, and and they'll give you a good ballpark figure about that. You still got plenty of sunshine, don't you? Well, that was my other concern. Uh, right now, the areas that I'm having problem are pretty shaded. Uh, the yeah, trees yeah, well, that, years, yeah, the trees we yeah. put in years ago have grown. And, uh, Here, that, here's the deal. Bermuda is, will, will tolerate the least amount of shade of all the grasses. I mean, it won't take any shade to speak of. It doesn't get the energy it needs, not to keep alive, but to replace itself. See, so one thing you can do is raise your mower up a little bit higher so that it has longer leaf blades to catch what little energy is out there. That'll help a little bit. And when you fertilize, fertilize lightly. Use a good quality lawn food, less than recommended strength. We want to stimulate it without pushing too much in the shade. So good quality fertilizer, less than full strength. Raise your mower up a little bit, and that'll help. But uh, probably what you need to do is ride around some of the older parts of town and notice how not everybody's wall-to-wall grass anymore. Where the trees are, they'll make a distinct line. Matter of fact, I've got a column coming out in uh, in some newspapers in the next couple of weeks about how they do it in botanic gardens in older neighborhoods. You just make a distinct line. Here's where the grass is. Here's where it ain't. And you can just simply kill the grass on one side, or you can make a little small ditch, or you can line it with, with fallen branches or anything like that to make a distinct line saying this size grass that size trees and mulch and leaves and start planting ground covers and stuff like that. But Bermuda grass ain't gonna it's gonna peter out in the shade. Nothing you can do about that. Well, is there is it now what about a zoysia or, or another type of grass that I can Zo- get, you know, yeah. a, a and put down in the shade. Z- Z- Zoysia will tolerate more shade. Uh, it'll tolerate a good bit of shade. It doesn't like heavy, heavy shade. Uh, St. Augustine will tolerate the most shade, but if you've got more than 50% shade, you know how the grass business. This is what I was taught in turf management classes 40 years ago, and this is what I've seen over the past 40 years. Once it gets more than about 50% shade, no matter why the grass petered out, trying to get grass reestablished in a shady area is, well, I've never seen a single success story in 40 years. That'll tell you something. So uh, this might be where you, you start plugging in something like mondo grass, the little monkey grass, which can be mowed. It'll grow in the shade. Uh, I, I don't right. mean the dwarf mondo grass, just a regular mondo grass. Start plugging that in there, and uh, over the next couple of years, it'll fill and start growing, and it looks like grass, and you can mow it. But uh, right. once you got shade, hard to get it started again, any kind of grass. And right. Not my opinion. This is what they say. Yeah. Uh, the, my, my, my last line of defense was just go ahead and, and try and put some, uh, you know, put in a, a raised bed somewhere around the trees and just backfill it with ivy or monkey grass or something like that. That was my, that was my last line yeah. of defense. I well, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't backfill it with too much because roots of trees are shallow for a reason. If you cover it up, you can, you can smother it. They're, they're shallow because it can't breathe down deep. Uh, so what I would do is, you know, if you wanted to lightly work some stuff in it and just start sprigging stuff in. But what really makes it work, uh, William, is a distinct line saying, here's the grass, here's where it stops. And that distinct line, and then you throw some mulch up under there, and immediately it looks like you're doing it on purpose. 
Right. All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, I'm not trying to be negative. Just trying to help you out here. Yeah, you, you did a good job. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, I think we got time for another call. Let's go down to Bush, Louisiana. Hey, Ainsley, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, um, I want to propagate some wildflowers, uh, mm-hmm. and I have, and I want to know, can I cut the heads off while they're in full bloom and put them where I want them, or do I need to wait until they drop the petals and kind of dry out? It's a real good question, and uh, and and that second was the right way. It takes a while after the flower petals fade for those seeds to mature, and uh, until they dry up in there, you know they they really need to stay attached to the plant. So, you know things like Queen Anne's lace, you know when it's in full bloom, when the when when it starts blooming, it draws up what looks like a bird's nest. We need to wait till it's really brown and almost brittle feeling, and so you can go around with a plastic bag or a cardboard box or something and snip all sorts of. Uh, uh, you know, the, the the really old, faded, almost crunchy ones, and save those, and then you can throw those anywhere you want, and they'll sprout. But let's, let's let them not, not just dry up, but, but, you know, dry up good. That way the seeds are mature in there. And if you want to wait till fall to plant them, keep in a paper bag uh, where they won't stay too wet, and you throw them out someplace in the fall. Can I throw them out whenever they dry? Do I have to wait till fall? Oh, you you can wait. They just won't sprout till it gets till till, till fall. So whatever's easiest on you. But uh, no, let's let's let the let's let the flower heat drop really good. Okay. Thank you for your help. I love you. Alrighty. Thanks for being part of it, man. I do appreciate it. And uh, Kay from Memphis, Chainsaw Kay, you wait till the last minute. We're out of time. We ran out of time. So next time, next week, give me a call a little bit earlier. We love to talk with folks about stuff, but we're up against time. We're up against time. Got to move on to the next programs, folks. Uh, The Gestalt Gardens production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer, laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Phone greeter today was esteemed Kevin Farrell. I've been your host, Phil Rushing, and I'm thinking about my garden and yours as we free fall towards another hot weekend. Maybe we'll get some rain. Anyway, if you get a chance... Take a kid to a garden center. Take a kid to a farmer's market. Take some neighborhood kids. Make it a field trip. Show them where plants come from. Let them smell real vegetables and fruits that have just been picked. Let them talk to a garden center person and learn about the mysteries of plants. Most important, take some kids out and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Let's talk about gardening next week. We'll be right back in a week from now. 